through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. It was one of the most devastating stories, a double murder so horrendous that it uh, shook a community to its core. This is the Billings family from Pensacola, Florida. Parents Bud and Melanie were known for adopting many children with special needs. And three months ago, the couple was shot to death in their bedroom. Nine of their children, all with severe disabilities, were home at the time. Their 27-year-old daughter, Ashley, had no idea what was going on when she called that night to check in with her mom. The day everything happened, I called the house about 7.30, and that's when Jacob answered, and Jacob was very distraught. He was very upset. Jacob is Ashley's 10-year-old adopted brother with Down syndrome. He hands the phone to his 11-year-old sister, Adriana, who has autism. I said, well, take mom the phone. Where's mom? And she said, she's laying on the bathroom floor. And I said, well, take dad the phone. And she said, I can't. He's laying on the floor, too. Confused about what's going on, Ashley jumps in her car for the 20-minute drive to her parents' house and calls 911. Sure, 911. Hi, I need somebody to go out to my parents' house. Um, I was on the phone with my sister, and she said they were on the bathroom floor. She said they were dead, and I don't know what she's talking about. While talking to 911 operators, she realizes someone else has also called in. I got two callers on the phone. Oh, the there were two subjects down in the... Okay, ma'am. Uh-huh. Did somebody else call? Yes, ma'am. A frantic neighbor is already on the line. I live next door and the daughter came over and said, the mother and father have been shot and they're dead. It's come. There's kids in the house. Ma'am, I got to go over here with the children. Police later find out the chilling scene is captured on home security cameras. A van speeds onto the property. Teams of masked gunmen burst through the front and back doors simultaneously. Within four minutes, Melanie and Bud Billings are murdered. He is shot six times, twice in the back of his head. She takes five bullets to the chest, face, and head. Police believe at least one of the children sees his mom and dad murdered. I remember pulling up outside the fence and, you know, the yard was taped off. There were so many police officers and nobody knew what was going on. My first instinct was where are the kids, counting kids, making sure everybody was out. Well, a few months ago, Ashley and Blue, her husband of two years, had a pretty carefree life. They were a few years away from uh, making a decision about whether or not to have your own children. But after her parents were murdered, Everything just changed in an instant. Ashley and Blue 
moved into her mother and father's house where the murders took place, and they took over raising all nine of her siblings, all nine with special needs. This is the first time cameras have been allowed inside the Billings home since the murders. This is a mom and dad's room. Ashley and her husband, Blue, now sleep in here, the very room where her mom and dad were shot to death. When we came back to the house, it was very difficult for either of us to sleep in here while we were sleeping on the couch. We changed the comforters out and changed the mattress out, and I just developed a certain sense of peace, you know, almost like her telling me, it's okay, you, you can do this. Ashley's day begins before the sun rises. Good morning. Hey, sweet girl. Emma, the baby of the family, has Down syndrome and gets all of her meals through a feeding tube. You want to eat? Start your morning off good? Get your shoes on and then come take your medicine, OK? OK. Thank you. All nine children have severe disabilities requiring constant medical care. Adriana, you put your patch on? Yeah. Adriana and Tori actually both have ADHD, and they wear a patch. Katie gets a seizure medicine. Nicholas gets several medicines. Ricky, he gets medicine that helps with his behavioral problems. Ashley's now doing all the things her mother once did and has a full-time job. How do you explain death to a child um, when most of us don't understand it ourselves? Um, I can only imagine what they were thinking and, you know, what they saw. And I heard shooting guns and all that downstairs, but I thought it was my dad yelling at the dog for eating a shoe or something. That's what we love mom. Yeah, oh it's sad. Because they died by some mean guy shot him. They, they were great parents, and, you know, I hope that Blue and I can be that way. I feel like she's right next to me pushing me to go on, and I feel like her strength is in me to keep me going because I know I have to. So Ashley is here. It has been three months. Uh, how are you doing? Um, we're doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. We're getting through day by day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes hour by hour, but we're... Hour by hour. And her husband, Blue, hi. How are you? First of all, thanks for being here and letting <laughs> us come you. in there and film that. But we, from the beginning, when we all heard that story, uh, we were, the first thought is, who's going to take care of the children? Everybody was relieved <clears> that the children were not harmed. You believe that one of your brothers, though, might have seen the shooting? Yes. From what we can tell from the reports of who was where, one of the children was up and was in the living room. And how old is he? Jake is 10. Jake is 10. And he has um, Down syndrome, so he's not very verbal, mm -hmm. um, but he can express you know, a small amount of what he sees, what he hears, he knows right from wrong. But we know that he did, did see. And Adriana, of course, when she got on the phone with me, she had came downstairs, mm -hmm. and so. She saw them. She saw after. Yeah. So you had made a promise to your mother? I did. It was just something that we had talked about. Her and my dad, they, um, they traveled. And she would talk about it to us if something were to happen make sure my babies are taken care of, make sure they're all kept together, don't ever let them be put somewhere, um, group home, foster care, 
keep them together and take care of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told her, I said, well, you never have to worry about that. They're, you know, like children to me, too. We're very close with them. Okay, so you'd made a promise that, of course, I will take care of them. I won't let the family be split. But you never thought you'd have to fulfill that promise. No, not so much. Not so much. So when this happened, were you allowed a chance to mourn? Have you had a chance to even take in what happened? I haven't. Um, you know, I, I talk to Blue about it a lot, and if I, if I get upset, it's riding in the car, you know, when I'm by myself. But when I'm with the children, it's, there's so much to be happy about with them. I don't want to be upset in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, Blue, did you immediately say, we're going to take this on? It's just the way it's supposed to be, and we talked about it, and mm -hmm. it's what I want to. What has that done to your marriage, to your time? Stronger. Biggest change is we went from no schedule to we're on somebody else's schedule. Mm -hmm. Did the kids just, um, did they grieve? Do they even know what death is? They do know what death is, the older children. Mm -hmm. um, and how old is the oldest? The oldest is 11. Mm -hmm. and that was Adriana? That's Adriana, mm -hmm. yes. And we, we kind of grouped them, the five big kids and the four babies. They're not really babies because they're four to seven, but mm -hmm. I don't, think that they really have an understanding. They know mom and dad, and they're not there, but we don't have a grasp on how much a child with Down syndrome understands. Right. Um, so we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, the big kids, I let them talk to me when they're ready to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, they'll come pull Blue aside or pull me aside, or April, they'll pull somebody aside if they want to talk about it. There's a fit. It usually leads into, I miss mom. So, do you have help? We do have help. Mm -hmm. um, we have a nanny and then my mom's best friend, April. Um, she actually lives on the property, too. So, how are you able to support all these children? It's been a challenge. We have our income, of course, um, but it's, you know, it was made to support us. Yeah, the two people. Um, did, you, did your parents have a big insurance policy? There's no insurance policy. The will that my mother had was invalid in Florida. Why? Um, it was not witnessed correctly. Good God. So now everything that they did have, which is the house and the yeah. property, um, of course, is being intestate with the right. state. Right. Um, so how are you making it? Right now, everything is in place. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot that we've actually had to buy for the children. Yeah. Um, we are having to pay two mortgages. We're having to pay two utilities. Mortgage, your... Our previous house plus the house that is my parents. So you're going to sell that house that you previously lived in? <laughs> Hopefully. When you can. When we can. Yeah. Um, the economy. We have, you know, lots of support family-wise. We did start receiving some donations when everything originally happened. How much did you get in donations? We had received about $1,100. $1,100. And um, we set up a trust. That'll last you, what, a month? <laughs> the power bill was twelve eighty-five. <clears throat> the power bill was twelve eighty-five. We set up the trust, and, you know, we're working with that. The children do receive Social Security, mm -hmm. um, SSI, for their disabilities. Mm -hmm. So they receive about $300 a month. And um, You're making it. We're making it. Yeah. Our, our focus is the long term, because these children aren't going to move out when they're 18. Right. They have to be taken care of. Well, as we saw on security video, masked men stormed Ashley's parents' home. Eight people are in police custody. Do you all have any idea why somebody would want to kill your parents? 
you know, it's a question I ask myself every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'll ever know the answer, yeah. but it just, it doesn't make any sense. Well, Escambia County Sheriff uh, David Morgan is heading up the Billings uh, murder investigation. He joins us uh, on Skype from Pensacola, Florida. Sheriff Morgan, uh, thank you for joining us, first of all. How many arrests have you made in this case so far? We have uh, eight in custody. All right, so what are your theories on why this happened? Well, I, we try to be careful, Ms. Winfrey, on, on theories, but uh, we know that it was, of course, a home invasion robbery. But a theme that continued throughout this case uh, that we're continuing to pursue uh, was some uh, you know, possible Mexican mafia contacts through some of the, the folks that we currently have in custody. So when you say uh, Mexican mafia, does that mean that the, somebody in this family was somehow involved with the Mexican mafia? No, no. The organized crime element would come in with those who perpetrated the crime. Uh, as I've stated many, many times, the Billings family is not, uh, nor to the best of my knowledge, will ever be a subject of an investigation involving their murders. Yeah, because that's what's confusing to all of us. If you're going to target a home, why do you target a home with nine special needs children? Uh, Mr. Billings was a very successful businessman, and somehow they thought that they would get a large sum of cash in his home. Uh, and sadly, it went horribly wrong. Yes, and I'm sure, see, the reason why, as you often have, I'm sure, experienced, people want to know the why and the how of it and, you know, would probably find some relief if they could say Mr. Billings was involved in some kind of, you know, crime or mafia, because that would at least ex help explain it to people. Because otherwise, it feels like it's random. And if it's random, that just makes the entire community feel like, could have been me, might still be me. Yes, ma'am. And, and again, that's, that's the human side of us wanting to lend some sense to a senseless act. Right. But, but again, let me be emphatic here. Uh, the closest thing that, that I can, and I've spoken to Ashley and, and Blue about this, that we could tie their, their dad to this crime was that he had the misfortune, I repeat, the misfortune of doing some business with some people that were very bad, that he, he was not involved in. And so the people that you have in custody, do you believe those people to be responsible for this crime? Yes, ma'am. Uh, we most certainly do. All of them, of course, have entered a, a, a not guilty plea, which is you know, pretty uh, much the form uh, as the trial uh, progresses here, or I should say the case progresses. Uh, but we feel that we have an excellent case against these individuals, and we're also building information on some additional suspects. Well, thank you for talking to us today, Sheriff Morgan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ashley and Blue, really, God be with you. Thank you so much. God be with you. Stephanie Nielsen was known as Supermom to the thousands of followers of her daily blog. Her uplifting and sometimes humorous stories about family life with four young children inspired mothers around the world. But one year ago, Stephanie's world was rocked when the small plane she was on crashed into the Arizona desert and exploded on impact. Stephanie's family describes what that instant was like. You could just imagine the horror of this small plane being on fire and three of these, you know, people that were inside this plane just fighting to get out and to, to you know, to save their lives. 
Three people were on board that day. Doug was the pilot. He died 24 hours later. Stephanie's husband, Christian, had a broken back, ankle, and burns all over his neck and face. And Stephanie was in critical condition with severe burns on over 80% of her body. The first time we went in, uh, she was totally covered. She looked like a, a mummy. But all you could see is her beautiful eyes that she's always had and her toenails that were painted red. That's all we could recognize of her. She was being kept alive by these machines and uh, her, her vital signs really were very dim. I just don't know how humans can see another human in that, in that condition and, and get over it easily. It's, it's a tough, tough thing to see. In my heart, I felt like, you know, she's not going to make it. The family was torn up. They worried even if Stephanie pulled through, what kind of life would she have? She flatlined twice, and they, they brought her back. My first reaction was she needs to just move on and, and not have to endure this pain and, and all the, uh, you know, all the, the surgeries and all the medical procedures that she's going to have ahead in her life. I just felt that just, you know, just unplug the machines and let her move on. I remember telling her, you've got to fight. You've got to do this, not just for yourself, but uh, for your kids, your husband, your mom and dad, all of us who love you. Every time I, I was with her, I would lean over, whisper in her ear, and I would rub her, I would rub her chest. Just say, you can do it. So Stephanie was kept in a coma for almost three months while her burns healed. It's been a long haul over the last year as Stephanie slowly recovers. But she survived the unthinkable, and she is here today. Come on out, Stephanie. Nice to meet you. Wow. Well, Stephanie's a family wanted to see the show today, so they are joining us on Skype from Utah. Hi, family. Hey. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Steph. Hi. Hi. Uh, Stephanie says that her family, they are the reason that she is alive. So tell us about that. They slept over in the hospital with me every single night. They prayed for me. I mean, they. They were the ones that, that got me through this. I, I, I couldn't have done it without them. Through this process, did you realize a strength that you didn't know that you had? Oh, yeah, definitely. But I think that's the neat thing, is that we all have that in us. Mm -hmm. We're just, we just have to, it's kind of one of those things that you, you get into that, mm -hmm. and you, you realize what you're made of. And, and I had so much to live for, mm -hmm. so. I understand your husband, Christian, saved your life that day. Yeah. Tell us about that. He, um, he opened the airplane door. I mean, it was on fire. He broke his back and his toe doing it. And he, he made a pathway for me to get out. And yeah, he was, he was there helping me. And so Stephanie's husband, uh, Christian, was burned on 30% of his body that day. Come on up, Christian, and join us. You both have your gloves on. Hello. Hi. 
What do you remember of that day, Christian? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all unfortunately very clear. Um, the whole sequence of events that transpired that ultimately ended in a, a crash, mm -hmm. um, that was frightening. And then, but getting out and, and accounting for Stephanie and, and Doug, um, it, it was, it was, it was heart-wrenching heart and just terrible. I've often heard there's no time to think when you're in the crisis. You're just really in the moment. Yeah, that's true. I mean, fortunately, I, I had just a, I had my wits about me. I knew we, this was a bad situation and we needed mm -hmm. to get out. Mm -hmm. So I told Stephanie to follow me out my door. And um, it, I struggled to get the door open in the first place. Um, and then finally, after squeezing through, we, we both escaped out that door and mm -hmm. sustained some. So tell us about your injuries. I suspect I broke my back on impact. We, we hit the ground pretty hard, I guess, and we, I don't remember that part. And then just getting out, there was fire everywhere. The, the flames were already quite mature. We had, we had fuel on board, so that had dumped everywhere and just saturated the ground. And What kind of plane was this? It was a small four-seater airplane, a little Cessna. Mm -hmm. Cessna. And, um, you know, after getting out, it was, it was uh, the thing I wanted to make sure was that Stephanie had a path to escape. Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, I kicked the path so that we could both find an area to stop, drop, and roll and extinguish the flames on our bodies. Stop, drop, and roll. We were right. that. I heard my third grade teacher in my, in my head as that day. Third grade teachers everywhere giving themselves a round of applause right. over that, really. And so... Through this entire process, the three months that she was in a coma, we heard her brothers say, you know, that maybe there were times that they thought maybe she should just transition and go and not have to be put through the surgeries and not have to be put through the rebuilding of a life. Did you ever feel or think that? Um, you know, the, the first time I saw Stephanie, she was um, really, bad shape, and I, I didn't, um, I wasn't prepared to see that, and, um, and I, the doctors were giving me the really probably a truthful scenario, but there was the worst case scenario that what did she they wasn't tell you? out of the woods. And, you know, they, they would say things like, you know, if she makes it, uh, she won't walk again, and if she makes it, she's going to be uh, severely limited and deformed, and you know, these are things that I woke up to. These are the comments I woke up to. Right. And naturally, the doctors were probably trying to give me the worst case scenario and deliver the best. How long have you all been married? Almost nine years. Almost nine years. Yeah. Look at them both smile when they say that. <laughs> so Stephanie says that she had a vision while she was in the coma. I'm always fascinated by these stories. So what was the vision? Just um, being with somebody who's told me that I could choose to live or, um, and to have a hard life. You know, I thought of my children and my husband and, I mean, there was, it was easy, easy choice. Easy choice. Yeah. So how, how old are your children? Our oldest is almost eight, mm -hmm. six-year-old, four-year-old, and almost three-year-old. Oh, yeah. thank you. And so <laughs> you felt that moment of, I can choose to transition or I can go back to the life that's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you chose the hard. I chose the hard way. Because of your family. Because of the family. 
Definitely. How did your children react when they first saw you after the accident? Oh, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. No, my, my oldest daughter wouldn't come in the room. Mm -hmm. And my redhead daughter, Jane, she, she came in and, and it was like she saw the most terrifying mm -hmm. person ever. Mm -hmm. I think she was expecting to come in and see mom and mm -hmm. it was not mom. Yeah. And so she, she saw me once and that was, that Were was it. Were you still wrapped up like a mummy? No, or no, I was, you know, I had. Your hair was short. Yeah, they had to buzz my hair and mm -hmm. yeah, so it was. Did you terrifying. try to prepare the children before, Christian? Yeah, I mean, as well as, as we could, it, it was still, like I said, they still remembered her in her pink hat and, mm -hmm. and pearls. And so telling her that she looks different now, but she's still mom is, is a hard message to send to the kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was it hard for the rest of the family? Did you all have uh, sit vigils with her? You know, was their family, was it your faith? What was it that made you not give up on her? We came together as a family right after the accident and we set a plan. We had brothers and sisters sleeping on the floor next to her every night. We talked to her. We, we, we tickled her, her toes. We played her music. We did everything we could to make it as normal and natural as if she was among us. Wow. And it was uh, a great experience for this family. So we had an idea. We found another mom, Andrea, from California. And this is what she had written to me about being a stay-at-home mother. Now, you know I think that being a stay-at-home mother is the hardest job on earth for those of you who are doing it right and well. There, there, there just is nothing tougher. So I have nothing but respect for that. But this is what Andrea had written. She said, I hate being at home. I'm not a person that likes to stay home. It drives me crazy. The day-to-day -day stuff, being at home, is the least creative thing that you could do. Playing with Play-Doh makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> That's what Andrea wrote to me. So uh, we had an idea. We said, okay, Andrea, why don't you fly to Utah and spend the day with Stephanie and her family and see how you like your Play-Doh then? <laughs> Here's what happened. Hi. Hi. Hi there. Come on in. Hi. When I first see Stephanie, I am very nervous. I try not to stare. And you have one more. Yeah, okay. Her hands are so severely burned, she always has to wear compression gloves. The littlest things are a huge struggle. Is it difficult to open things yeah. like that with yes. your hands? I was, yeah. The zip, like anything, ziplock or anything like, you know, like this. Right. It's the worst. I can tell she's in a lot of physical pain. There's some mornings I don't feel like getting out of bed. I can't imagine what it's like for Stephanie. Getting up in the morning, does it it's even getting so out of much bed? Easier, but and at first, you know, I just couldn't do it because my body hurt so bad. I, right. didn't, I didn't want to get up and I just restretch all of the skin again and it just was very painful. Yeah. This is kind of like my dress, we call it dressing changes. Okay. So I get in the shower, scrub everything really, really good. Um, and that hurts really bad. And how yeah. long does that whole process take? The whole then? process takes about two hours. Yeah. It takes me like 20 minutes. Her children see it all. I wonder what it's like for them to see their mom's burned skin. It must be so hard. At first they didn't want to come in and see me or, or anything. And those were hard days. Those were just awful. Come in here. This is such a beautiful picture. I didn't know you before the accident. So this is the first time 
I'm seeing you yeah. without the scars. Yeah. And um, you're very beautiful. Thank you. And it just, does it, that person feel like one person and now you're someone else? It, it took me a long time, but I think I've come to the realization that that's, that was that and it was beautiful and lovely and this is now and this is beautiful and lovely. And really the only thing that's changed is, you know, I, I mean, besides, you know, physical, I still have all of these people in my life and all of this is still love. Okay, who wants to get washed? <laughs> yeah. oh. Who's first? This is cooling water. And they kind of get in and out by themselves. You don't have to lift them or like pull them when they want you to. But they want you to. Thank you. Go. Thank you. I can't hold you, sweetheart. I know. Darn it. I realized these are the moments with my kids that I don't appreciate. Is that really difficult to say that you can't hold them? It, 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 like right after the accident, it was heartbreaking. I definitely um, think I do, you know, need to slow down and kind of embrace motherhood a little bit more and the time I do share with my children. So Andrea was, or is, still a stay-at-home mom who had written me a letter saying how bored she was, how Plato makes her want to kill herself. And uh, then you went to spend a day with this family. And yeah. what was that like for you? It was really eye-opening. I really found that I need to slow down and relax and breathe and really be in the moment with my children more. Um, is that so what you felt at their house? Yeah. Uh, the very things that, you know, can get meticulous and annoying as a mom every day, you know, mm -hmm. cleaning up and making meals and all those things are kind of the very thing that gets Stephanie out of bed in the morning. You know, it, um, those, she wants, she's here to do those things for her children and she fought hard yeah. to survive, to be able to do those for her kids, to see them off to school, to make their lunches and, um, I just was really taking a lot of that for granted. Yeah. Because you didn't realize until you were in their house how really sacred that is. Yes. What a sacred, loving, nurturing thing that is to be able to make lunch for your kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, to be I get to be there. I get to walk my daughter to school every day. Mm -hmm. I get to pick her up. And hold her. And yeah, I get, after the bath, they're wet and they're cold and I get to scoop them up and hold them. So. It's those little moments that I guess I had taken for granted. Yeah, appreciate more now. Yeah. Now I heard that you'd said that when you were in the house, that the thing that really impressed you the most was the energy of the house, because you know every home has its own energy. Y'all know that, right? Some of them you walk in the door, you go, "Get me out of here." <laughs> but uh, but you walked into their home, and you and you say the energy was what? Immediately, it was just very warm and peaceful and calm. With four kids running around, a dog, it can be so chaotic. And mm -hmm. everyone just seemed so relaxed. And this was easy. This was our new life. And everyone seemed to just accept it mm -hmm. and move on with it. Mm -hmm. And what about Christian? Christian 
after I left, there was something about Christian the whole time I was in their house. And the way he looks at her, I can tell, you know, Stephanie's the love of his life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what she yeah, I noticed like. that up here. I noticed yeah. when he was looking. <laughs> Did you all notice that guy? The way he was looking at her. <laughs> I noticed that when he sat yes. down, the way he was looking into her eyes. It's yeah. almost. Like I he was, could eat her up. Yes. Yeah. He, the, he could. He, the way he stares at her, and he's just so proud of her for cutting those apples. And, you know, he sits back, and he watches her, and he just loves that she's there to do it. And you heard, I heard you made some changes when she went home. I did. Um, Pulled out the Play-Doh? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're playing games with the kids, but I wasn't really there playing. I was thinking about all the other things I had to do. And so, you know, my daughter and I were playing Go Fish, and I didn't get up once to go check an email or go put the laundry in the dryer. Um, I sat there, didn't get up, and then when she asked if we could play another game, I said yes. And I, you know, I have been eating breakfast with them. Usually I make them breakfast, and then I go, you know, get ready or do something else. But I've been sitting down at the table, eating with them. Being present. But yeah. Wonderful. Did, who, yeah. who knew you were going to be this great role model? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, thank you, family, for all of your support. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you for what having me. What a wonderful me. role thank model. Thank you. You both are, Stephanie and Christian. Thank you, Andrea. Well, have you ever sat next to somebody on an airplane and hoped they wouldn't talk to you? <laughs> That's everybody who came here, right? It's like, okay, you just want to sleep or read and they want to have a little chat? You all know what that's like. Well, that's how 15-year-old Christina felt when she squeezed into her window seat next to a guy named Rick Friesen. He was chatty, she was not, but the divine took over and that chance conversation led to the ultimate story of how life can change, as it has for all of our guests here today, how life can change in an instant. Well, I was heading home. I'd been in L.A. for some work uh, business and heading back to Montana. Christina, a foster child from Mississippi, just happened to be on the same flight. Her seat was 6A. Rick's was 6B. We were on a small commuter jet, uh, very much like this plane right here. Christina was not supposed to sit next to me. I told him I was going to a shelter in Mississippi. And... I, I said, a shelter? And she said, well, yeah. She said, that's where you go when you have no other place to live. That was a very, very hard thing for me. I said, how do you feel about going to a shelter? She said, well, sometimes it scares me. I'm really struggling at this time. <laughs> I think this, I just keep thinking, this isn't right. This, this isn't right. I finally asked her, well, what, what would you like to see happen? And she said, well, I, I just really want a family. I really want a family. That just choked me up. When the plane landed, Rick and Christina went their separate ways. When Rick got home a few hours later, he told his wife, Annette, all about Christina. They were empty nesters and knew they wanted to help, but only knew Christina's first name and where she was headed. Rick worked the phone searching for Christina. Then, after 10 days... I hung up the phone, and I, I'm sure I yelled. I know I ran downstairs, and I said, I found her, I found her. And Annette was pretty startled. She just sort of looked at me, and, and, uh, and I was, of course, I was ecstatic. I decided 
that um, before I met her, I would foster and adopt her uh, sight unseen, and I would accept her as she was. The first time I saw her, it was like seeing your child for the first time. It was a huge moment, a huge moment. I was very happy. I was, was like, someone wants me. Someone, there's, there are people out here who do love me and who care for me. And this was my family forever. There's no losing them. One year after meeting on that plane, the Friesens officially adopted Christina. That was four years ago, and this January, Christina will start college. Talk about changing your life in an instant, divine intervention. No accident that they sat next to each other on the plane that day. Great story. Thank you, Rick and Annette, Friesen and Christina. Thanks to all of my guests today. It's all about living in the moment, living in the moment, and being open to the possibilities that life has to offer. You never know who's eating the pretzels next to you on the plane. Never know. Bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.